What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode one of The Bird Feed, featuring me, and pretty much me only, the birdseed botanist. I have been in the cannabis industry for five or six years now, been smoking for about ten, and I just wanted to start this podcast and hopes to just kind of generally inform anybody who was uh, interested in the industry or interested in cannabis in general. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of excited to get this going. Um, I do have another podcast uh, with my co-host Josh that is going to be Smoking With Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere um, you'd find your podcast. You'll probably find it same place you're finding this one. Anyway, let's jump into it. Today, I wanted to talk specifically about genetics and cannabis genetics. Um, A lot of people already kind of touched this subject, um, and I get it. It's it's a pretty fun one to kind of deep dive into, Um, but what I wanted to talk about was uh, genetic variants, I guess. So... In genetics, you have your dominant and your recessive traits. Um, In cannabis, it's a little different. Well, it's, it's, they still have the the dominant and recessive traits, but those are, they haven't necessarily been categorized as far as what I've seen. Um, But yeah, there is, there's dominant traits, which we, we know, like we have our, let's say our auto flowering, our indica quote unquote and sativa quote unquote traits where we have these long, you know, if we're talking land race strains, we have these tall, narrow leafed sativas, we have these short, broad leafed indicas. Uh, and then of course we have a ruderalis auto flowering that doesn't, that's not a photo period. It just kind of flowers whenever the plant wants essentially whenever it's ready. And those, I guess, can be looked at as dominant traits because they're going, like, if you had an auto-flowering plant, it's it's pretty dominant that it's going to be auto-flowering. The only thing is, if you take even two auto-flowering strains and cross them, it doesn't necessarily turn out an auto-flowering seed. So maybe maybe not so much on the, on the dominance on that per se. Um... But anyway, other traits that haven't necessarily been categorized yet uh, would be along the lines of the sex, the size, the yield, the vigor, shape, color, uh, terpenes, you know, flowering time. All those are all traits, right? So those are all going to be different things that you're going to see in variances in cannabis plants and more so with the polyhybridization of everything. Uh, you're going to see those more and more, uh, I guess, seed to seed, um, but we'll talk about that a little more later. Um, <clears throat> so one thing when we start talking about uh, genetics is is Punnett squares, and I wouldn't say that they're super useful yet in the cannabis space, but when we're talking Punnett squares, and you can kind of Google this up and so you have a visual, but say you have four squares, <clears throat> and on the it's going to be kind of like a graph on the top of this square that has four squares in it you're going to have either the male or the female generally it's the male from my understanding goes on the top and the female goes on the on the left side <clears throat> and they're categorized in dominant traits are usually a capital letter 
and recessive traits are a lowercase letter. And each of those boxes essentially uh, represents 25% of the genetic makeup of the spawn from those two, um, the, the father and the mother. Um, so if, say, the father has an, uh, let's say, just choose a random letter A, it has a capital A, which means it has a dominant trait A, and then it has a recessive lowercase a uh, that would look up at the top of the graph as a capital A, but uh, above the left side boxes and a lowercase a on the right side boxes, and then say that the female has just dominant capital A and dominant capital A, and that's going to go on the left side of your graph type thing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so then you just kind of draw, you know, capital A from the male down into the top left box, capital A from the female into the top left box as well. So you end up with a capital A, capital A. So you're going to end up, that's 25% for sure dominant. But say you go to the next you go to the right and then you have a capital A from the mother and you have a lowercase a from the father, that's still going to end up with that dominant trait, capital A. The only instance in my understanding of it, and I'm fairly new to, you know, this side of the genetics, I guess, um, that you're going to have pass along a recessive trait is if you have both lowercase a, lowercase a in this case. And so... Yeah, so that's just kind of the rundown quickly on Punnett squares, and that's kind of what they're used for in, in human genome mapping and stuff like that. So I just kind of wanted to give a little rundown on that. Um, the next thing I wanted to kind of talk on is like, you'll I don't know if you guys see this too much, but I know up here in the Washington market, we have companies that will put on certain things like F1, F2, I've seen for sure, uh, BX, and maybe uh, you don't know what that is. And so here uh, I want to take the opportunity and kind of explain that a little bit. So if you ever see F1, F2, F3, generally you're not going to see an F1. Generally it's about an F2. Um, so F1 starting is the first, and they call this the filial or filial uh, generation, which if you take two unrelated or seemingly unrelated plants, Let's take some land races, for example, and take Durban Poison and Afghan and slam those two together. You're going to end up with an F1 because you have these two seemingly unrelated plants and you just smash them together to create a whole new strain. Right. And so that's your F1. All the kids, all the seeds from that are an F1 and whatever you want to call that. Um, we can call it Durban Afghan F1. And so uh, when we talk about F2, it's taking seeds, sisters, brothers, sister and a brother uh, from those F1 uh, generation and breeding them again uh, from the same uh, F1 rotation generation. Uh, the offspring of those will then be uh, classified as F2 or filial 2. Uh, and so the further, further, you, the more you do that, it goes F3, F4, F5, F6, however far you really want to take it. But the more you do that, the more you're going to run into kind of issues. It's really going to open up the, 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 the map 
of of the cannabis plant really or whatever that gene pool has to offer um it can get really crazy you'll have some crazy expressions you may not want you'll get you could get like hermes and uh stuff like that and when i'm talking hermes i'm talking uh hermaphrodites which you have female plants or seemingly female plants start uh creating pollen and we can get touch on that a little bit later but uh yeah the next one i want to talk about is a bx if you ever see bx on a label or if you're buying seeds and you see a bx that just generally refers to a back cross and so when we're talking back cross if you have let's say let's go back to this Durban poison afghan cross that we've created and now we're in an f3 stage like we've gotten it and bred generations up to an f3 if we take seeds from that f3 and <clears throat> breed it back into either one of the Durban poison mom or Afghan mom or whatever, um, you breed it back to one of those, that is considered a back cross where you're taking one of your filial generations and smashing it back to one of its original parents or grandparents or great grandparents. I don't know if it works the same necessarily if say you had an F3 and crossed it back to an F1. I don't know if that's still considered a back cross, but I, th I think it would be uh i don't just know i just don't think it's that common of a practice uh either that or i'm completely wrong on that and then let's see uh, another one you might see is is s or s1 and generally it's referred to an s1 i don't see like s2 s3 or anything like the f um but what that generally means is uh stands for selfing um hence the s it makes it pretty easy to understand that is uh when you take a female plant and you give it uh, I, ST, I think it's STS, silver thiosulfate um, is one of the most common ones, is what you do is you're triggering a hormone in that female plant to then um, create male parts. So essentially you'll have this female plant that is now producing pollen sacs and um, all those pollen sacs are actually going to contain female genetics. So if you take that pollen and you tr put it on, say, another female plant that's from the same filial generation, that would be considered a self one. So you take this F2 female from this Durban Afghan and you take another f2 female from that durban afghan and you trick one into thinking it's a guy for a second and then you take that pollen and you put it on another one if this is me if i'm rambling you might already have made sense of what i'm saying but anyway you're you're taking two females from the same generation and and mating breeding them essentially and you end up with feminized seeds and that's how that kind of came along and happened um you can kind of create the same thing with Hermes, as I talked about earlier, her hermaphrodite plants, um, you, it's sort of the same thing, but I think the bigger issue with that is you now are passing on that herm hermaphrodite trait, and that's going to be a pretty big issue uh, you're going to have to deal with uh, potentially um, when you do that, when you do the more natural quote-unquote way rather than using the silver thiosulfate um and then the last one i kind of wanted to talk about is um 
let's see here. Uh, so IBL. Uh, IBL is one you don't see that often. I've seen it a couple times within the the I-502 market up here in Washington. But what IBL refers to is, sorry, what IBL refers to is an inbred line. And from my understanding of that is you've bred generation after generation up to an F5, I think is when they start calling it an inbred line, which is what IBL stands for, right? And so after F5 and beyond, you're kind of in the inbred line category where I think your just gene expression is so vast that um, it's pretty difficult to pull off a, a, a consistent line uh, from seed to seed on that F5 plus generation. So not a lot of people do it. Um, you can get some really cool, crazy, wicked expressions from, you know, that far down the filial, I'm probably butchering that, um, generations, but yeah, so it's just going to end up with a fairly in, uh, inconsistent throughout the seed seeds on that. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of want to also touch on why do we breed cannabis? Like why do breeders have these, and these big seed companies, why is it such a big thing? Why do people want to do that? Well, there's a couple reasons, but so I think the biggest reason would be just they, there's so much gene expression out there that we still have yet to discover. I kind of think about it as like an old text document that is written in a, a language that no longer exists kind of like the, let's let's think of it as like the bible right this dead language it was written in and now we have to find a way to translate that into something we can understand uh cannabis is kind of the same way uh there's a lot to this we haven't been able to kind of study and comprehend and the more and more we breed the more expressions we get to see uh just remember when purple weed came out and that was just such a, a revolutionary thing, right? Like sure purple weed existed, but the fact that we were able to consistently get that th through breeding was, uh, was revolutionary. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why people get into the cannabis breeding. Plus it's just such a cool avenue to explore, right? Like you get to be in charge of what you produce or what you find. It's, it's, I mean, there, there could be so much potential out there that we still have yet to even think to try and discover. So, um, that would probably be one of the biggest reasons we breed, uh, just from my outside perspective as no, as a non-breeder, but someone who's interested in it, uh, that would be one of the reasons I'd want to do it. I'd want to see all these cool, crazy expressions that we still have yet to see within these plants. So, um, <clears throat> speaking of, uh, back, going back to kind of like that Durban Afghan I was talking about, we'll talk about, uh, land race strains. So land race strains are generally, they're looked at as like the, the great, 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 great ancestors of, of pretty much everything we see today. Uh, land race strains are strains that have adapted and, um, evolved to basically grow naturally 
in the area that they're from. Um, so when we think of, uh, give me one second here. So when we're talking land race, so strains that we may have today, right, that you might notice or recognize the name of, they're kind of old school, maybe some older heads would know what, uh, what I'm talking about here, but things like Afghan, Thai, Panama Red, Durban Poison, I don't know if you guys notice a, a trend here, but these are all pretty much named after the places they came from, and there's a big reason for that, is these have grown and adapted to grow naturally in these areas you can basically throw seed out there of these things and watch them grow uh, it's pretty remarkable that 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 exists um and they're pretty much the building blocks to everything we see today so also i wanted to talk about uh so as a, as we talk about land races that kind of leads me into uh what we know as indica and sativa today. So indica, we generally classify, right? It, it, when we're talking physically or, or traits that we can see with the eye, um, we're, we're talking indicas are, are, you know, stout, they're shorter, they have broader leaves. They, they, they're, um, more of a relaxed smoke. Uh, they're higher in a myrcene count. You know, they have things like you know, the lean alules or, you know, um, things like that, that just, uh, those are just kind of characteristics. And then on the flip side, we have our sativas where we have, uh, you know, they're tall, lanky, they're energetic, uh, as far as effects on, on the human, um, they're energetic. Uh, they'll have like a, a narrow leaf pattern. Um, but when we're talking hybrids, uh, those, those kind of all sort of go out the window as far as characteristics because realistically we can breed as long as it's not a, a land race or anything crazy if you're for talking hybrids or polyhybrids of certain things uh we can have an indica quote-unquote indica based plant that grows or looks to the to the to the naked eye as like a sativa it could be a narrower leaf it's just such a almost outdated way to kind of classify these two main cannabis uh avenues that we that we look at in the in the rec market or, or i guess overall but generally in the rec market that's kind of the the first question that uh that gets proposed when asking what someone's looking for um so <clears throat> when we're talking about breeding um what we're doing here, or I guess not me, but um, what the industry, the breeding industry as a whole, I think what they're, they're, what the actual terminology for that would be, would be selective breeding. Um, and like I said before, the the indica and the sativa descriptors that I listed just recently was uh, they're pretty broad and they're fairly misunderstood. Um, if we're not talking about land races, of course, when you talk about like Afghans and stuff, these characteristics are going to make sense and, and be fairly good descriptors of them. Um, but the more hybridized you go or the more, you know, down the filial uh, or filial 
uh, rabbit hole you go, the the crazier the expressions you can get, and you can even get. Well, what's we're, um, we'll look at uh, this strain that's. I wouldn't say it's recent, but I've seen it fairly recently. Pretty commonly is this strain called Freak Show. I think it's by a Humboldt Seed Company. Uh, but that right there is a great example of 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 you can't just look at a plant and say it is this because that plant it almost looks like a fern growing i don't know if you guys have seen that if not go look it up um, but that is a crazy looking strain and and that's how crazy and and vast uh the gene pool we're dealing with is today um breeders however have kind of just like in, in a good way i mean this in a good way have kind of bastardized the the cannabis uh Bible, I guess, is what we'll refer it back to. Um, this this cannabis Bible, they've broken open and translated hundreds and hundreds of these pages over a fairly recent amount of time. Um, we have all these crazy unexplored traits from purple coloring to uh, different terpenes we didn't even know existed within this plant. Um, it's a great thing. Um, it's wonderful, but it's if it, it can... If you're a new breeder or something, it can just like completely fuck you. If you're just slamming stuff together because it's popular, it, it, it's it's a little more intricate than that. Um, especially to create something that's consistent, and that's that takes uh, quite a bit of testing. I mean, I know all these uh, reputable breeders have testers, uh, people who grow it, and you know, their personal conditions, and then they get to see kind of how that grows and how that plays out and how consistent they can get it and all these other things. But the main thing I think they're looking for is that consistency. Because when you open up or or if you want to sell uh, packs and packs of your seeds, you want the picture or whatever you put up with it to, to correlate with hoping, hopefully, whatever the consumer's end product is going to look like. Uh, you want to advertise that. Right, you don't want to pic put a picture up of something you grew, and then everyone who gets your seeds, all their stuff looks completely different, or isn't as good, or nothing is the same because you've broken into this F three, F four generation of something that has this crazy vast um, array of traits uh, that generally, I don't know. It, it's kind of fun to play around with that, in my personal opinion. But realistically, you could you could take a thousand of those seeds and toss them and hoping for that unicorn, but it may never even come in and exist. So if you're, when you're talking thousand of seeds, right, nobody's going to buy a hundred packs of 10 packs that you put out for sale for $50 a piece, just so they could hopefully find that unicorn. It's very rare. Uh, so breeders, I think really want to strive for that kind of consistency. Um, Unless really what they're shooting for is that crazy unicorn. But honestly, I think they're going to be doing that internally, finding the unicorn, and then uh, proceeding from there. I don't think that they're going to rely on the consumer, somebody buying their product, uh, to, to test that out. So, so I hope that helps to kind of explain a little bit more about how breeders label their items or... Um, 
generally or even like in the, in the, like I said in the dispensary even like producer processors if they throw a label on there um say like BX this is a great example um I have a friend in the in the uh, retail space and he there was this company and they were making this purple punch BX and that's exactly how they'd put it on their label I think uh they were thinking that everybody understood that or anybody in the cannabis space or hopefully bud tenders were going to pick up on that and understand and pass that knowledge on to the consumer. But even some bud tenders were saying stuff like, oh, that's purple punch box, which can, like I said, can be very consuming, uh, uh, confusing or even frustrating for the one, the purchaser and two, the bud tender, because they don't necessarily know, um, what that is. And that's kind of on, on the farm for not passing that off. So I hope this helps, um, anybody moving forward, uh, hope, hope it helps the, the growers uh, better understand what they're buying um, when it comes to seed banks and, and breeders labeling their seeds as F1, BX, Backcross, S1. All these things are very important when you're, uh, when you're searching especially for seeds because you kind of want to know what you're getting yourself into. So I hope that this very rudimentary, very elementary um, intro to this uh, genetics of cannabis is is helpful to at least one or two of the people who hear it um i just kind of want to share my very intermediate knowledge uh as this episode one um because it's something that i'm very interested in and want to explore in the future myself so um just saying these words are kind of helping me even reiterate and understand it further um but yeah, so I think that's going to be everything for today, guys. I appreciate whoever listens for this uh, very kind of brief introduction uh, episode to my little bird seed botany, guys. Um, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram, the bird seed botanist, all one word, um, or even I just got on Cannabuzz. I think a lot of people are kind of transferring over to that social media app because a lot of instagrams uh with the new policy update um it's it's becoming less uh less appealing to to people in the cannabis space to want to be on or a part of instagram or share their grow breed whatever um so yeah you guys go ahead and follow me on either of those uh i should have a twitter or something coming soon for all these episodes as they progress but uh, i appreciate you guys tuning in and kind of hearing me out on um cannabis breeding yeah so appreciate you guys you guys have a great rest of your day